October 30th, 2023. We're continuing in Masechet Berachot. We're on the Yod Chet Amud Aleph. If you count from the top of the Amud down, it's 18 lines down. The line starts with the word Dameh. We're at the second word on the line. Now, if you recall, the Mishnah had mentioned for us and taught us the laws of a person who is uh, It's a person whose uh, family member is mutalifanav, is incumbent upon them to bury, either in the physical sense, one opinion, or alternatively, it's just your responsibility, you have to bury them. In such a circumstance, the Mishnah told us, and we explained it in the Gemara, your patur from kol ha-mitzvot. That's the state of being, according to halakha, that we call aninut. A person in such a stage is known as an onen. Onen is patur from kol mitzvot aseh. Says the Gemara, meto in, aval mishamero lo. Period. It's uh, being midaktik, reading the words in the Mishnah very carefully. The second word in the Mishnah says, meto, mi shemeto. Meto is possessive. It means your dead body. In other words, the understanding is specifically and only when it's a family member are you considered an onin and therefore exempt from all the mitzvot. It would suggest then, mishamero, not as an onin in the halachic sense, but as a person who's safeguarding, taking care of the body, tending to its needs prior to burial, he'd be, she'd be obligated in all the mitzvot. Shouldn't we argue in such a circumstance that by being involved in the burial uh, prerequisite stages, you're considered osek ba mitzvah? Wouldn't that, we? That would mean that someone who, who works at the Hebrew Kedusha never puts on tefillin. Indeed, if he's doing, actually involved on a consistent basis, indeed. He never puts on tefillin. He never correct. Says, never that, does anything. That's correct. That would be the suggestion. Now again, our assumption in today's day and age, let's say, is that the person in the Hevra has time. The burials, generally speaking, only take place a little bit later. The dealing with the body is a little bit later. There's time in the day to put on your tefillin. But if there wasn't, correct. But at this point, says the Gemara, it seems from the Mishnah that that wouldn't be so. It's only Mishemeto, Vehatanya, doesn't the Beraita say explicitly, a person who's safeguarding and tending to the needs of a corpse prior to their burial, even though it's not their family member, Patur, Mikriyachima, Umina Tefila. It's explicit in the Beraita that even though it's not Meto, even though you're just, so to speak, you're dealing with and tending to the needs of the individual, your patur, from all the mitzvot. Now, interestingly, you should, uh, you know, it's interesting that you raise that because in this context, Ran, Rabbeinu Nisim, in his commentary, um, suggests, that, um, suggests that this Gemara, this Beraita, is a proof for his opinion that a person who's osek ba mitzvah is patur min mitzvah even when efshal lekayim shtehen. Even if you could fulfill the mitzvah that you're involved with and the other mitzvah in tandem, you're still patur. Tosafot famously in Masechet Sukkah Daf disagrees. Uh, they in turn would have to suggest that this case is uh, where you're not able to be mekayim both. In other words, if you maintain that, generally speaking, if shalikayim shtehen, you're hayav, so then that must be the case over here. Okay, but that being the case, the Gemara is then challenging our Mishnah from the Beraita or comparing the two. Our Mishnah says only if it's a family member, the Beraita says any dead person who's upon you to bury or you're involved in the burial, you're exempt, answers the Gemara, indeed, they're both true. Our Mishnah is talking about one case and the Beraita is talking about 
The other case, Mishamero, Afalpisheno Meto, Meto, Afalpisheno Mishamero. The Beraita is talking about when you're involved, hands on with the burial and preparation, even though it's not a family member. And Mishnah is talking about when you're not necessarily hands on, involved, but it is a family member, you're nonetheless exempt for reasons similar to what Rashi and Tosafo told us. Either you're Tarud be mitzvah, or alternatively, Kavod Hamet, as we discussed last time. But that's what emerges then. It means that both a person who has a relative who needs to be buried, as well as a person who's hands-on involved in the steps and stages leading up to and involving the burial, are exempt from Kol HaMitzvot. Continues the Gemara and says, Meto umeshamero in. Okay, so we have two cases where there's an exemption from mitzvot family member, or you're actually hands-on involved. Aval, we can contrast this to a case of mehalech bebet kebarot lo. Right? The assumption is that engagement with dead bodies, dead people, exempts you from mitzvot, specifically when you're actually involved in the burial or stages leading up to it. If you were walking through the cemetery, in contrast, we had no mention that you'd be exempt as well. Are you? Should you be exempt? Patur? I don't know if it's family member or not. At this point, the Gemara is about to challenge it for anyone. Right? In other words, we know family member not involved. Uh, involved, not family member exempt. That's it? Basically, is the words of the Gemara. What about in a cemetery? It sounds like any circumstance. The Hatanya, don't we learn? Didn't we learn explicitly in the Beraita? Lo You shouldn't walk through a cemetery, not ever, unless you're a Kohen, but you shouldn't walk through a cemetery specifically when Utfilin Berosho. Period. So let's try to define what this means. A person should not walk through the cemetery when tefillin berosho, this tefillin on your head. Furthermore, sefet Torah bizro'o vekore. There's a sefet Torah held under your arms and you're reading it. Now, are those read together or are those separate? Tosafot's understanding seems to be it's read together. It's that you shouldn't be wearing tefillin or studying Torah. Uh, why do I say that? Because Tosafot, Sefer Torah Bizro'o Vekore says Tosafot, Vuhadin asulikrot. So too, if you're doing it Ba'alpeh, it's also prohibited. It seems like the Ikar seems like the Ikar for Tosafot is the study of Torah. Harambam, as Kesef Mishneh seems to read him separately in Hilchot Sefer Torah, understands this um, differently. And according to Harambam, it's either holding a Sefer Torah or studying Torah. Okay, either way you read that, important for another conversation. It means that if you're just walking through the cemetery, there's a prohibition, there's a prohibition. Got about an exemption. You should not be performing those mitzvot. Why not? Before we move onward, if you were to do so, you'd be violating this pasuk from Sefer Mishle, lo'eg la'rash. Lo'eg la'rash means you're ridiculing, you're mocking a rash, a poor individual. Over here, the dead person is poor because he can't uh, perform those mitzvot. You're standing in front of him and doing those mitzvot in an overt way, out in the open. Heref oseu, it's an abomination. Better yet, it's as if you're cursing or blaspheming God. That's Osehu, his creator, HaKadosh Baruch Hu. In other words, if you're sticking it in the face of the dead people, 
you're effectively sticking in the face of God as well. Are this in the context of tzitzit? Indeed. Um, we, we can and will, as we go ahead in the Gemara, address that in the context of tzitzit. At this point, we haven't mentioned tzitzit, but already, and I'll tell you why, why it's relevant even to this conversation, Maran in Bet Yosef in Siman Kof Kaf Gimal, in Siman Kaf Gimal, talks about whether this is specifically with Tefillin Shel Rosh or even Tefillin Shel Yad. In other words, if it's only when they're exposed or even when they're concealed. Furthermore, even your Tefillin Shel Rosh, if it's concealed, might be permitted. In other words... Indeed, that's the Diuk. So it's Tefillin Berosho, specifically, maybe it's just the easiest way to say something, but correct, that's the Diuk, Tefillin Berosho, and in turn, that's the Diuk entirely, the issue is that it's tefillin, which are seen on your head, and in turn you might understand as well the sefer Torah bizro'o, it's almost as if it's something that's seen. Okay, regardless, that's, that's the heter of, of, of Maran, as long as it's concealed, which in turn opens the question for a person who's in a cemetery and wearing a talet katan, is that permitted? Well, maybe since it's concealed, it should be permitted, right? That's the context within which you probably addressed it, or maybe if in general your sisiot should be exposed and you can bring proof from Maran in this context. But, says the Gemara, for our purposes, we're now in the middle of an issue. On the one hand, you told me two cases. You're involved hands-on, or it's a family member of a burial, or the steps leading up to the burial. That's when you're exempt, patur from the mitzvot. However, over here it says that if you're over, ben bebeta kevarot, if you're walking through the cemetery there's a problem answers the gemara hatam over there says the gemara hatam means there specifically in the cemetery case it's only when you're within four amot roughly six feet of the burial of the burial plot that's when there's a problem. So to speak, the zone of the buried individual extends six feet, extends four amot. And as a result... Your burial person or any Any, person? any. It's not, it's, this is not talking about a family member. You can't go within six feet, four amot, of someone who's buried, of a burial plot in the Beta Givarot in the cemetery. If you were to do so, you're violating this, at the very least, rabbinic concept of lo'eg larash, heref osehu. Oh, but that is specifically and only within four amot. Our Mishnah and Beraita that we were addressing beforehand of not doing the mitzvot of being exempt from them during a time of aninut or ha'osek ba'mitzvah is whether you're within four amot or not. That's why we didn't mention it in the Mishnah and the Beraita beforehand. But all three of these halachot are true. Number one, if a person is osek b'meto. Number two, if he's mishamer etamet. Number three, if he's oved bevet hakevarot bekiruv, within the proximity, the close uh, location of arba amot, there's a petur or even a potential isur of doing mitzvot in a blatant and overt way. De'amar mor, after all we have the statement, met tofes arba amot, a dead person, tofes, so to speak, grabs, has this domain, this space surrounding them, for amot six feet, likriyat shema, uh, for matters of, for example, saying kriyat shema. Hacha, what we were talking about in our Mishnah, in the Beraita, chutz arba amot, name patur, even outside of four amot, you're exempt when you're an onen, or you're osik, ba mitzvah of kevura. Okay, that's what we've arrived at thus far. It means that we've addressed two issues. Number one, we extended the Mishnah from a family member to any person who's dealing with the death. And number two, in the next Beraita, we addressed as well this concept of lo'eg larash, passing by and close to a burial plot while doing a mitzvah 
uh, externally. It says the Gemara Amr Gufa. Anytime the Gemara mentions that word Gufa, it brings you back to something which was mentioned earlier. Over here it brings us back to that Beraita, which was just mentioned. So it's first going to cite the Beraita again, and then further elaborate on it. Hameshamer etamet, meto. Right? If a person is um, safeguarding, dealing with the protection of a body that's dead, even though it's not their family member, patur, period. Now the truth is, that's all we cited until now. But the Beraita went onward, and now we cite the Beraita in its entirety. If there were two people being what they could and should, should do is take off turns. You need to say your turn, go to the side, I'll keep watching, and you say and then you return and I say what's the issue? We want to make certain that the body is tended to, that specifically back then they had a fear of like rats and rodents coming close to the body, but in general you want to safeguard the body. Ben Azai Omer, Hayubayim Bisvina Manihobizavitzo, Umit Palelin Shinehem Bezavita Heret. If you're on a boat, says Ben Azai, in such a circumstance, you don't need to even one person be close to the body. Uh, even both of the individuals who are with that body could go to one corner away from the body, not within four amot, to say Kiriachima and to pray, even. Uh, but wait a second, why so? Again, as I mentioned to you, the, the fear is specifically the rats. Says the Gemara, my Benayu, what's the difference between Ben Azai and Tanakama? Ben Azai is permitting on the boat. It sounds like Tanakama would say the same law applies to the boat. The machloka between Ben Azai and Hachamim or Tanakama is whether on a boat we have a fear and a suspicion of rats, of rodents or not. Ben Azai says, no, it's a boat, it's, a, it's out on the sea. You don't imagine that they're hidden somewhere on the sides, whereas Hachamim say even there you have a suspicion and a fear, and as a result, two shouldn't move away. Go ahead. The fears the rats are going to get them, but if you're within four feet, you're going to fight off the rats. Yes, but um, if you're five being feet, a person who no, whatever, unfortunately who unfortunately lived in neighborhoods where there were rats and mice, I can make clear to you, as much as we fear them, they fear us more. So it's true, it's intimidating when a person is to see a rat, but they run very quickly. And as a result, if a body is there and, and not moving, a rat will go at it a lot quicker and maybe at all um, when they wouldn't when, when a person who's right alive and moving is there. Tanura Banan says the Gemara Beraita teaching a law with regards to well, associated with burial again. Uh, this beraita starts uh, kind of a step removed. Oftentimes the way that burials used to take place, going really far back, is they would initially lay the body to rest in like uh, some sort of catacomb or some sort of um, cavernous area, like a cave. The body would be there, it would decompose, and then there were bones left over, and sometimes those bones were then taken to a plot in ground where they were buried. Whereas the body wasn't initially placed in the ground, it was initially placed elsewhere. How long is that? I'm not 100% sure. Not like the next day. No, 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 no. It took time, probably years. I don't, I don't know the exact details. I just know that that was an old practice. And that whenever we talk about these sorts of details, for me and you, for many people today, it's so out of context. Why would you be moving bones unless you're disinterring? You're taking from one country or place to another. Well, it used to be a lot more common because of this burial practice. I don't know the time. Tanura banan hamodich atzamot. If a person is moving bones mimakom lemakom from one place, for burial in another place. That person should not place them 
into some sort of, Rashi says, a daskaya, it's like a leather uh, sack or bag of some sort, al hamor, and then place them on the donkey, alehem, and, uh, and, and mount on top of them. It seems as if people used to put their burdens underneath them, which makes a lot of sense when you're going on the highway back in the day and there are people on different animals, maybe moving quicker and kind of stealthily uh, looking at you and coming at you. So the way that you're going to save, if you have your bag on the back of your donkey or even on the side of the donkey, someone come by and grab it. If alternatively you're sitting on it, it's very difficult for them to get to it. Of course, the story of Rahel in the Torah, where she puts the terafim under her, is very telling. That's where Laban can't get to it. Anyway, so how is it? Lo It's inappropriate. It's not kabod to the atzamot. Even though your intention, I'm adding, I'm injecting, is to safeguard, to hold on to those bones, it's inappropriate. It's wrong to be sitting on them. Sitting on them is a hoser kabod. It's a bizayon. V'yerkava alehem. Mepeneh shenoheg bahem minhag bizayon. By doing so, that's a bizayon. That's a minhag bizayon, inappropriate activity. V'im hayamit yareh mepeneh nochrim mepeneh listim. What if you actually have a real fear? You're not just doing it just in case. You have an actual fear. Mepeneh hanochrim mepeneh alistim. There are non-Jews. There are bandits who are going to grab it. Mutar. Under such circumstances. So it's permitted. Even though you might always take your burden and put it underneath you irrespective of that actual uh, potential uh, threat even though it's so far off over here has to be an actual threat that's there and then it would be permitted and the same way we mention this law by atzamot, so too by sefer Torah and by extension that's why the poskim describe that it's important and sometimes in synagogues this is not always uh, carefully uh, kept uh, there, are part, there are places underneath seats that people will place a homash there. Uh, it's not so appropriate. So the Gemara is making clear it's inappropriate to have a sefer, sefer Torah specifically, but by extension a homash underneath your seated area. They make chairs like that for the Beth HaKinesh. Right, like right. that's what I'm pointing out. I don't think it's appropriate. If it's on the back of the seat, okay. If it's underneath the seat, I, I think it's a problem with, with respect to this. It's derech bizayon, that's minhag bizayon. You don't put a, important things there, even though it's a... It's I understand, so you, you're suggesting... I understand, but so is the daskaya. I hear you. I'm not a hundred... I, I, it's always felt inappropriate to me because of this gemara. I understand the counterclaim. It'd be an interesting thing to think about. It's really going to be dependent upon social norms. In other words, what would some... It's hard to even objectify you, bizayon. So you can't do that means if you're going on a coach bus, you shouldn't put anything right. under... That is what I'm suggesting, right. On, on airplanes, books, airplanes, I try to be careful as a result of this Gemara, as an extension of it, to keep my books, when I have them, my tefillin, on top instead of putting them underneath even the seat ahead of me for this reason. I on airplanes and buses, I think it's an easy claim that this is applicable. In synagogues where the seats were made for placement in that fashion, Yesh makom ladun. Says the Gemara, okay, but... Oh, kind of ahead of ourselves, but we'll understand in a moment. Says the Gemara, Ahaya, those last words, those last four words, Kachamru Besefe Torah, they were said on what? Or the last uh, seven words, Kedir Shamru Ba'atzamot Kachamru Besefe Torah. And those, when the, when the Beraita said, the Beraita had a halacha with regards to the bones, and then it said, and so too by Sefer Torah, but there was really two segments to the bones. It was number one, don't put it underneath, it's a bizayon. Number two, but it's permitted if you fear that they'll be stolen. And so too by Sefer Torah on segment one, 
our segment too, the prohibition or the permissibility. Ahaya, what was it referring to? Ilema, perhaps you'll say, Aresha, it's a reference to the first statement of the Isur, of putting it underneath. Pejita, that's simple. Migara Sefer Torah me'asamot. Would you imagine? How could you imagine that a Sefer Torah is worse, gara, worse, less um, dignified, less respected, and need, demands respect than bones? I mean, listen, they're both very important and significant. You can't diminish the status and sanctity, holiness of a Sefer Torah. Ela asefa, rather, it must be that the permissibility with regards to bones, if you fear they'll be stolen, taken, or mishandled by goyim or listim, would be so that you can then put it underneath you, so too with the Sefer Torah. Continues the Gemara, Amare Hava, Amare Yehuda, Kol Haro'e Hamet, Ve'eno Melavehu, Over Mishum Lo'eg Larash Heref Oseu. Any person who sees the transporting of a body which has deceased, and doesn't accompany that body to its burial plot, uh, transgresses. You're, so to speak, looking at that body. You can't bury anyone. You're being buried. Ha-ha, joke's on you. I can walk away. You're spitting in the face of not only that person, but HaKadosh Baruch Hu as well. You're saying, I don't care about you. So your master, so to speak, has put you in a helpless situation. What does that mean? Anytime you're at a funeral, anytime you heard someone passes away, you need to be involved. So first and foremost, it's the poskim and the, and the rishonim do debate in this game. It seems as if we're talking about, I mean, it seems as if we're talking about when there's no one to bury. Does that mean if there is someone to bury, you can just walk away? Rabbeinu Yonah, quoted in Rosh, Rosh as well, uh, suggests that you should nonetheless have a levaya of arba amot. You should still be six feet accompanying the body. And for that reason, in, in my understanding of it, when we finish funerals, uh, there's then the walking halfway down the street on 67th Street. Uh, people walk with the body. That's, that's appropriate. That might be even a fulfillment of this Gemara. Uh, but I'm not going to the cemetery anyway. So it's not just a nice thing to do. Firstly, it's halakha. Secondly, it's entirely appropriate. You're saying this body, a manifestation of HaKadosh Baruch Hu's Biriah, creation, is helpless now. It's my responsibility in turn to help it. Otherwise, I'm spitting at God and saying, well, you're helpless. It means God has made you helpless. <laughs> what about Kohen, who obviously can't go close? Should they walk for Amon, but for away from the, you know what I'm saying? I think it's entirely appropriate. I think it would be less of a, I think we would see it as less significant. The Kohen is now removed, but I see it all the time. The Kohanim will go on the side of the street on 67th yeah. by the park, is in front of the public school, and they'll accompany it there. I think it's entirely appropriate as well. And I think at this point, maybe always, there's already an expectancy. In other words, if the Kohanim are not there, yes, you kind of notice it. If alternatively the Kohanim said we can't be a part of it, it wouldn't perhaps be uh, um, says the Gemara person does indeed accompany so it's an, uh, what's their reward it's an interesting thing if you don't go inappropriate if you do go not only is it appropriate but there's a particular reward that we imagine it's, it's rare that you find that but from time to time the Hachamim will warn against neglecting and then tell you and if you do it there's a reward connected about that individual, the Pasuk says, Malve Adonai Honen Dao. 
So that we're reading it as Rashi explains, not as Malveh, but rather as Milaveh Hashem. So the Pasuk is read then as Honendal, a person who has Haninal, is compassion on Dao, on the poor one, meaning the dead person who can't help himself, is Milaveh Hashem. They're accompanying and being accompanied by HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So what's your Sachar? That you're walking with God. I mean, I couldn't find a better Sachar than that. It's the, uh, it's the promise that we have in the Torah, uh, later in Parashat Bechukotai, according to Rashi, that uh, my, my Shekhinah will be in your midst. I'll walk uh, could we imagine anything greater than being a milave Hashem? And uh, similarly, umechabedo uh, says the pasuk in uh, in Sefer Mishle. Umechabedo honen evyon. Who's Hakadosh Baruch Hu kivyachol mechabed? Who's he honoring? A person who is honen evyon, who gives that hanina, compassion, sympathy, and help to the evyon, to the poor one, reference to the dead person over here. Says the Gemara briefly. We're walking in the cemetery. I'd like to imagine, but maybe I'm wrong, that they weren't just taking a stroll through a cemetery. Maybe they're going for a burial or for some other matter. So this is what you were referring to, I imagine, earlier. The techilta, which is a reference to sisit, was hanging out from Rabbi Yonatan. It sounds like it was dragging or was um, close to the ground. Rebihiyah turns to his, uh, his, uh, his friend, Rabbi Yonatan, says to him, Dalye, pick it up, so that the people won't say, so that people won't say, tomorrow they're going to be buried together with us, but today they're just uh, cursing at us. In other words, they're pushing, at us, uh, pushing it in our face. The dead ones will say, Kivyachol. Um, who do they think they're going to be with us tomorrow? So again, it's a reference in this Gemara to the, to the realization. It seems, one reading of this, that it's okay to be wearing it, that his Musar, Rabbi Hayat, Rabbi Yonatan, was not per se that you can't be wearing it, it's that it can't be exposed, back to the conversation we had earlier, right? In other words, you don't need to take off your talit katan, you just shouldn't have it exposed. Amale, the response of Rabbi Yonatan in turn to Rabbi Hayat was, you're fearing what the dead are going to say about us? That's the part we focus on. Do they know that much? In other words, are dead people actually still cognizant? Are they understanding of what's taking place in this world? Because after all, the words are to be hiyat, to be on a time where you know what the dead people are going to say about you. It's not good for you. So do they know that? Haketib doesn't the pasuk? It's the same issue. It's the same. Now, not per se the same issue, because over there, um, it's not so much, uh, keep in mind, Rabbi Hiyaz words to Rabbi Yonatan were, they're going to say this. Um, uh, is that your action is a mockery and in turn to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. That's why we're picking up on it specifically in this story, not by the concept. Doesn't the Pasuk say, The Dirasha, even though it's not Peshad in the Pasuk, uh, as many other Dirashot of the Hachamim, is that dead people don't know anything. They don't know about life, they don't know about death, they don't know what's going on. They don't have that sort of intellect any longer. They're maybe rising in spirituality, but not in terms of worldly intellect. Amar le, the response, the response of Rabbi Hiyah, 
um, to Rabbi Yonatan is Imkarita, if you learned once, if you read the Pesukim, Lo Shanita, you clearly didn't review a second time. Im Shanita, maybe you reviewed a second time, Lo Shilashta, you didn't, uh, you didn't review it three times. Vi Im Shilashta, and if you even did it three times, Lo Pirshulecha, they never explain to you what that Pasuk actually means. No, it's first he says, listen, you probably didn't learn enough times. You did learn enough times, then you were never taught properly. You have a mistake in your very understanding of that Pasuk. Well, what was the Pasuk again? And the pasuk says, "Vehametim enam yodeim meuma." Let me read you the whole pasuk. Says the pasuk in Kohelet. The live people, the people who are living, know that they'll die. But those who are dead don't know at all. So we read it as life and death. People who are alive know they'll die. People who are dead don't understand that. This is what it means. It's not a reference to people who are alive. So the Pasuk has over here a reference to Benayahu Ben Yehoyada, one of the brave and strong people together with David, and we're not interested for the moment, although the Gemara will um, deal with the entire explanation of this Pasuk, but what's he described as? He's described as a Ben Ishai. Says the Gemara at the top of Dafyot Cheta Mudbet, we'll conclude with this, Ben Ishai Atukulei Alma Ben Emeteninu Ela Ben Ishai Shafilu Bemitato Karui Hai. Why is he referred to this Ben Ayao Ben Yehoyada as a Ben Ishai, the son of a living man? Is it because he's different than other human beings? Everyone who's alive is alive. Alive. Rather, that even in his death he would be referred to as a living person. That's the Ben Ishai. So it means for our purposes, this Pasuk that we were dealing with from Kohelet of the living people know and the dead people don't know, it was never referring to actual living people and dead people. It was referring to instead Sadikim and Rishayim. Sadikim, even in their death, they're still alive. Why are they still alive in their death? Their righteousness, their legacy, the deeds and the missions that they've left people with continue. And their legacy is forever growing and burgeoning and blossoming. Dead people, wicked people, alternatively, even in their lifetime, are considered, so to speak, as dead. What are they accomplishing? What's going to last? What's even lasting now? It means that the reference to, as a result, dead people don't know anything. See the Pasuk in Quail, it says so. You misread the Pasuk. The Pasuk was never referring to actual, literal dead people. It was instead referring to, in the figurative sense, um, Reshaim as opposed to Sadiqim. It means that what we've arrived at in the Gemara is after a, a long conversation about the Halachot with regards to a burial and mitzvot and the involvement. The Gemara now is going to be Doresh, that last Pasuk from Sefer Shemuel, the Pasuk which refers to Binayahu ben Yehoyada, and it arrived at it in the context of this story of the Bihiyan of Yonatan with regards to those who are buried in the ground, whether they know what's happening or not. Baruch Adonai Amen ve Amen.